Welcome to the Artist Notepad, where we explore artistry, we talk life, and we talk into some sexy ass microphones. I'm Jack. Indeed. And I'm David. Thank you for joining us for our first episode of Deep Tan in 2021. It's been a minute since we've had one of these, Jack, so I'm quite mm-hmm. excited and ready to pick your brain at something that we're going to talk about today. But we're going to explore therapy. We therapy sure is something that, something that you're very, um, I'd say, an advocate for if people need it. Today, we're going to talk about CBT. We're going to talk about exposure therapy. We're going to talk about DBT and pick jack's brain he he's very passionate about these um this topic so i'm quite keen to see what he has to say but first brother how are you doing i'm not too bad thank you david um you've just skipped out my the, the, script your, was bad, the intro so about me you don't, you don't so wanna, you, not gonna lie i'm feeling script. a little bit put out but um <laughs> Regardless of what emotion I was feeling, that emotion yeah. would be captured in pristine condition by... By the way, cool cool background. Thanks. Can I continue? Yeah, you can continue. Thank you, David. Go ahead. Regardless <laughs> of what emotion I was experiencing, it would be captured in pristine audio quality by my latest purchase, yes. which is um, yes, the, the new badge of honor for, for my podcasting career. I have the podcasting mic, the Shure SM7B. So now I am a real podcaster. Welcome to the crew, brother. Thank you. I appreciate the warm welcome. How does it feel? How does it feel? Everything's changed. I feel so spacious. I feel like I can move around while I'm talking. <laughs> I can like do hand mm. things. And I could never do that before, you know? It's liberating. It's amazing. That's amazing. Your voice sounds really good too. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. I, I, I'm yet to see. I did a very quick A-B test and it did definitely sound better, but um, I'm yet to see how it's going to hold up once I move this into the, the editing project and we'll see how it comes out. But yeah, the one thing I noticed with this mic is you have to give it a ton of gain. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't aware do. about that, but I did some research and yeah, it's got a, it's needs a whole lot of power to be able to drive it. Luckily, I am driving it with my Apollo twin. Um, so... Yeah. That's quite a nice interface. It needs as well. some so, juice. Yeah, I can give juice, it. But man. even still, like I've got about, um, I want to say three quarters of my gain up, which normally for my um, for my other mic, I'll only have it about halfway. So it's a significant increase. Yeah. Anyway, enough of that jibber jabber, David. Are we going to do a segment today? That's a good question. We should we should definitely do. Why? I mean, in light of what we're going to talk about today and it being a deep tan, why don't we do a good old fashioned gratitude gander? What are you grateful for, gratitude gander? What are you grateful for, David? And and while you're answering that question, please also tell me how you are doing because I rudely forgot to ask you in return. How are you doing? So Thank you. you can maybe Thank you. I thought we were going to it. Don't, yeah, okay. I'll do a two-for-one special for you, just for you, Jack. Um, I'm doing well, man. I've, I've had a very productive day. Yesterday was a bit exhausting, even though some days are like my like rest days. I like rearranged my room, did a deep clean. Um, I gave my best friend my bed, and then I got a new bed. 
he, Jack's um you guys can't see this, but Jack's <laughs> I won't I won't explain it. <laughs> Sorry, was, continue. He put his hands in his pants and it, it was a bit disturbing. What? But um <laughs> <laughs> First time hearing about it. <laughs> no, nah, but yeah, so had a very had a good day. Had had work, went to the gym. Now I'm doing the pods, so I'm doing quite well, man. Doing quite well. But to answer your second question, what I'm grateful for is friends. I'm grateful mm. for my friends. I'm grateful for you. I'm Aww. grateful for my best mate, Daniel. Shout out to you. Shout he out very Danny honestly, boy. Danny boy, he very honestly told me he did listen to five episodes but 10 seconds each. So a total of 50 <laughs> seconds. You say he heard the start and he's like, yeah, but that's five episodes. And I'm like, oh yeah, thanks mate. <laughs> so shout out to Daniel. Um, yeah, cause we're going to talk about, we're going to go into mental health and mm. therapy today. So having friends that are very supportive and genuine yeah. and like having these secure, like, you know, trusting relationships yep. I'm quite grateful for. So absolutely grateful for friendships. How about you, brother? That's some wholesome stuff there, my friend. Um wholesome. This week I am grateful for um my first retreat that I ran or reflection day that I ran last Friday. Um yeah. I was a little bit concerned. It was with the year twelve, so it was just a reflection day with them and I was a little bit concerned they wouldn't fully buy in. But let's just say it completely exceeded my expectations. And by the end of the day, there were like boys coming up to me, like asking me for like the talks that I said. They wanted like the and the asking for it. autographs. No, they weren't. They didn't like, go that far. Please sign my shirt. But so they no. they were like um, telling me like this is like the best reflection day we've done and stuff. And and it was just really like wholesome and really nice wow. and fulfilling that to see that like exactly the reason why I came to this job is paying off. So I'm very grateful for the opportunity to do that. And I'm grateful for these boys for really engaging in the sort of stuff that I was bringing to them and really putting in a lot and thus getting out a lot. As they say, you only get out as much as you put in. And that proved to be the case for these boys. So I'm, yeah, I'm mm. grateful for them and I'm grateful for my God-given gifts to be able to connect with these boys and, um, bring ideas to the table for them that others maybe don't have the ability to do. And I'm grateful that I do have the ability to empathize and connect with these boys on that level. So yeah, I'm, I'm just grateful nice. for that day in general. Yeah. Nice, man. I'm going to put you on the spot here right now. Cause right now, Jack has Amelia as his background, as we're speaking through zoom and it is International Women's Women's Day, so I was expecting you to be like, "I'm very grateful for Amelia," but <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about the retreat, so David, I'm like, da yeah, so I got to put you on Amelia, the spot. Amelia's there. watching. David just called me out because I didn't I didn't say I was grateful for you on International Women's Day. <laughs> I got your back, Amelia. You have my back. I got your back. Hey, I think mine was. Okay, I, c I can be grateful for more than one thing, <laughs> all right? He's flustered now. If, I, if I, I I could say her every single week, but that would be a bit boring, wouldn't it? You know? Well, I, was, I thought you were going to say, when you said, when you said, and, I was like, yes. And then you're like, my God, given gifts to... I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> 
Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, she's cool, oh, I guess. I'm grateful for her. Missed your chance, man. Missed your chance. But shout out, Amelia. Happy International she Women's Day. Shout out to my mom finger. and my sisters and all the beautiful women out there. Shout out to you guys. Yep. Yep. But anyway, she's going to give you dirties throughout this whole podcast. She definitely gave so me dirties. Why don't we, why don't we crack into it? So, Jack, we need your expert knowledge today. My expert knowledge. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what very, it is. Like, how, how would you, like, before we get into it, like, how passionate or how, like, like, how do I word this? Like, how close is this to your heart as mm. a topic that we're going to go into? Yeah, v- very close. Very close. Um, yeah. Not simply because I think therapy is um, like psychology, therapy, counseling, whatever is so good just for anyone. doesn't matter whether you feel like you need it or not. It's just great. Um, It's also close to my heart because these particular frameworks that we're going to talk about, they um, have aspects of them that I incorporate into my life, Um, not necessarily in therapy, but just from day to day. And I've seen such powerful change in people's lives, including my own, come out of these things. And so I've I have a strong belief in them. I don't think that they're invincible. I don't think that they don't have limitations in each of them. However, I just think that they're so amazing in terms of challenging ourselves and improving ourselves. And um, mm. yeah, there's so much growth and knowledge that anyone can get out of these excuse me, out of these frameworks and you don't have to necessarily like feel like you need a counselor or you need to talk to a psychologist to be able to benefit from these things. So, well, yeah, sure. and having benefited right. myself from these things, I, yeah, I am very passionate about it. It fits into my um, globe of mental health, which I am a big, um, as you said, advocate for. Um, mm. So, yeah, to answer your question, very much so. Sick. I guess like I was going to have a follow up question, but I guess we're going to talk about it as we answer the questions. I was going to ask you, like, what's your own experience Mm. of CBT or DBT or therapy in general? But did you want to like talk about that while we answer the questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's crack on in. And then when we talk about certain aspects, I'll give personal examples of how that has resonated or been effective within my own life. Sweet. That works. All right. So... Jack, first question yes. is, I guess we have to ask it. For listeners that don't know, can you enlighten us and tell us what is CBT? Well, I'll do my best, David. Um, CBT stands mm-hmm. for Cognitive Behaviour Therapy. Um, it's a framework which has been around for some time now and is kind of one of the most popular frameworks used by your average psychologist today. Um, it, it isn't just implemented by psychologists. Anyone can be trained in CBT. Um, right. But it's basically a framework that looks at the, th- the, the three core um, motivating factors within us in terms of um, we've got the way we think, our thoughts, we've got our feelings, and we've got our actions. And these three are woven together and they interweave and they relate to each other and affecting one affects the other two as well and regard like every time you change one of them it has the capacity to change others and so before cbt became quite popular they had behavioral therapy um, which simply focused on behavior and its effectiveness in changing emotions and thoughts 
And then mm. cognitive, more of a focus on the cognitive side came into view. And then we sort of went to CBT and now kind of CBT is slanted more into the cognitive direction um, because I feel like there's a lot more scope to to mess around with the cognitive stuff. Um, and I guess very early on, that is one of the criticisms of CBT is that it can sometimes be a little cold uh, emotionally. It can sometimes just be a yeah. little too rational and not quite enough of the empathetic side. But in general, it's very good for treating anxiety. Um, it's yeah, fantastic for challenging people with um, negative thoughts that constantly pop up. Uh, it has its mm. limitations, but in general, it's a great entry step for anyone who's struggling with something that isn't really specific, just general anxiety and depression. Right. Okay. Then um, what's, what are some tools or what are some actions that are undertaken when you're doing CBT? How do you practice CBT? Like who, like, do you, so you said it's like a self-care method. Do you have to have like a professional that helps you with it at the start or is it something that anyone can kind of jump into? Well, David, those are some more fantastic questions. And I'm very glad you <laughs> used the word um, tool because CBT can absolutely be described as a toolkit in, in the sense mm. that it. to answer your second question, it is best when it is taught to you by an expert. However, once it is taught to you and you understand it, it can be used as um, yeah, a toolkit basically implemented by yourself to um, deal with certain things that come up. So, for example, CBT is a whole bunch of different techniques and concepts which are woven into it. So, some of the things that um, that this involves are uh, identifying negative thinking patterns, for example. So, mm. some of those might mm. be um, personalizing, which is when you make things about yourself um, often like it, it sounds very egotistical, but it's from a place of shame or from guilt. And so, for example, in extreme cases of personalizing, um, and this may sound hysterical and, um, it is very disordered thinking, but this is an example of extreme personalizing is you'll be watching the news, you'll see a terrorist attack and you'll somehow find a way that that is your fault. Um, on a more basic right. and closer to ground level, it will be, um, your friend is quite upset and you talk to them you don't manage to help them feel better necessarily you leave and you feel like it was your fault that they're upset um when actually mm. it was just that you couldn't help them feel better but then you take the um the problem and you you put yourself to blame for that so that's an example of personalizing so that's an example of a negative thinking pattern um something else would be catastrophizing which is basically um it's it's basically like over dramatizing a situation but it it's it's more complicated than that it's not from an attention seeking spot it's more from just um situations are blown into bigger proportions because you can't necessarily handle with them and then they spiral out they become bigger and bigger and in that disordered mm. person's mind that thing becomes um a mountain from a, a what is it a mountain from a molehill um and so that's an example talking about but yep, yeah that's just a <laughs> phrase um there, there are plenty others as well and I, I could probably list some other ones but um you get the idea it's basically there are these negative thinking patterns which um the cognitive side challenges um and so cbt is very much about rational thinking and so 
mm. when it comes to these negative thinking patterns, something that we we do in CBT is there's this thing called A plus B equals C. In A plus B equals C, A stands for the actual event. B stands for mm. the belief regarding that event. And C stands for the emotional consequence of that event. So, mm. for example, David, I'll give you an example now. Um, please do, please do. So, Amelia is sitting um, on my bed right now and she's looking <laughs> yep. at me. Right? And so, and she's wondering, why did I just bring her up? Um, and earlier on, we were doing the gratitude gander. Okay. And so, we were mm-hmm. talking about things mm-hmm. that we were gratitude, gr- uh, gratitude for, we were grateful for. Okay. And mm-hmm. on this day of all days, International Women's Day, even with the reminder <laughs> of her as my background, <laughs> yeah. I still didn't mention her. Okay. Yeah, yes. So, the actual event is that you asked me what I'm grateful for and I said um, my reflection day and my ability to connect Mm. with those boys. Mm -hmm. In this situation, and guys, she's not actually upset, but if she was, in this situation, her belief belief about that event would be, well, he didn't mention me on International Women's Day. He clearly doesn't appreciate me. The emotional (laughs) consequence of that event would be that she Mm. would feel really unappreciated. She'd feel terrible. It would cause some conflict between me and her. Um, But basically the point is, is you look at the actual event, right? And you say, okay, so what actually happened? Let's remove our feelings out of this because it's possible our emotions are clouding the situation. And we look at what actually happened. David's question was, what am I grateful for? He did not say, name every single thing you were grateful for in your life right now. So I named something that I was grateful for. Yes, she wasn't at the top of my list when he asked me that, but it was because I was scanning through my week. And it was also because Amelia and I do something similar where she asked me for good things that happen. And so I generally just steal for gratitude gander. I generally just steal whatever she asked me for that week. And this week was um, that reflection day. So the belief about this event and what this this algorithm, this um, equation shows is that the belief about the event has such a huge impact on what the consequence of that event is. Because simply with the actual event, with the truth, with the facts and nothing else, it is that there is nothing that I've done wrong to or uh, like offended her or, you know, nothing, nothing bad has happened. But the belief surrounding that event, if the belief is from a place of insecurity, then often it associates the actual event with some negative bias about how this yeah. this means that I'm um, unlovable or this means that I'm not appreciated or this means and blah, blah, blah. Whatever the insecurity is, it will come out and it will cloud the actual event, creating a really negative consequence. So that's right. an example of how CBT would look at a situation and it would review it and help someone with an anxiety disorder, for example, to be able to say, okay, I'm freaking out over something that's happened. Let's have a look here and let's work out if it's actually this bad. Because sometimes it is, you know. Sometimes you might do this A plus B equals C. And in the actual event, you'll find, no, there is actually mm-hmm. things that are 100% true that have gone wrong here. And then you have that reassurance of going, okay, so I'm not overreacting. This is actually bad. But sometimes, like that example, that imaginary example I just gave, you'll over, you, you'll review what has happened and you'll review, okay, I'm feeling this terrible way. I, I believe that this has happened, um, but what actually happened? And you'll find, okay, so I'm mm. overreacting or I'm having a negative thinking pattern here, which is really affecting 
what's happening in the situation. It doesn't necessarily wipe out the emotions, like the negative emotions, but part of CBT is starting to recognize these things and recognition of these negative thinking patterns can begin to help yeah. you um, have a, you know, have that moment of consideration eventually before before you instantly just jump to that negative scenario. It starts with recognition yeah. and over time that gap between the point where the event happens and you jump to the negative conclusion, it gets bigger and bigger and eventually it allows you to come in with some rationality, look at the event and say, hang on, what really happened here? And eventually it can start to yeah. help you deal with situations in a more rational way. Right. So it's definitely helpful and useful for people that, as you said, like suffer or um, struggle with anxiety. So yeah. that negative emotions are like the the natural way or direction that they head to. So it sounds like it's something that just helps people to control their emotion or like actually reflect and then gain control over like mm. what, yeah, it's reflection and mm. a control of over one's emotions, it sounds like. So Would you say this is like more, yeah, go? go. I was just going to say, the one thing that I would say there is not control, regulate. And that is a, that, that is a big, um, like that, mm. that's not just um, semantics there. To, we don't control our emotions, right? But we can learn to regulate them and we can also learn to um, right. adapt in the way we react from those emotions. So... Maybe we can't stop ourselves from getting angry, but maybe we can stop ourselves from putting our fists through the wall when we get angry. Right. Okay. Okay. Get you. I get you. Would you say it's um the question I was just going to ask was um would you say it's a lot more like um everyday use? It's something that you can just maybe like would you ever master this and then it's just a part of your natural thinking when like day-to-day things happen and you feel a certain way, you feel a shitty way or something, or you you look down on yourself or you put yourself in this dark corner where, you know, you're just filled with negative thoughts. Like, would you say it's just like a, yeah, like a, like we use the word tool. It's like a tool, like a Swiss army knife that you're holding mm. with you all the time. Yep. You, so you're asking, you're asking whether it is possible to completely like, always have that gap of consideration between an event and a negative reaction yeah so like it's like it's like you you be, you're training yourself to become i guess i don't know if i want to use the word mindful or like like a expert at reflection yeah so um yeah what what you might be able to do is become an expert in reviewing events but mm. i don't believe that any framework has the capacity to completely um, stop you from overreacting at times. Like we're human beings and there's different factors. Maybe with someone who's really good at CBT in a in an average state of mind with plenty of sleep, who's not hungry, who's um, their life is okay at the time. Yes, yeah, sure. Yeah. But then stuff happens, you know, like you'll, you'll have external stresses, you'll be low on sleep, yet yeah, you'll, you'll have the, the hangries. Um, like st yeah. stuff happens which affects our ability to be on, uh, at the top of our game and everyone has those days where you know things aren't great and that's not that's not mentally ill that's um, that's quite healthy to have days where you know you just struggle a little bit um, 
what yeah. isn't healthy is to stay in a ruminative cycle. Um, and I'll, I'll define mm. ruminative mm. because that's an important word when it comes to CBT and kind of mental illness and health in general. So rumination is um, when we go into a, a cyclical thought pattern mm. where the same negative thought continues to go round and round and round. And the difference between rumination and um, problem solving is that problem solving isn't cyclical. Problem solving solving moves. There's an exit. And yeah. the, 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 the issue with rumination is it feeds itself and it spirals and it just gets worse and worse mm. and worse because you, you can't see any way out of this idea and it just consumes you. And the issue with these ruminative cycles is you can be stuck in them for days and weeks um, people with like anxiety disorders, yep, something bad will happen, something minor. And because of these rumination cycles, they'll spiral and spiral and they'll just fall flat and they'll just be stuck there for a while. So CBT is good for not only breaking those ruminative cycles, but also just helping you get out of them when you do sort of hit the floor. Like it can allow you to look at the situation and it doesn't mean it's easy but it gives you the framework to be able to challenge those thoughts and say, are there any other possibilities other than the single thing that I keep thinking over and over again? Right. Right. When, when, when was the first time you've like heard about CBT? I guess like this will be the last until we, and then we'll move on to DBT yep. and then maybe we can talk about how it's different or how it overlaps mm. perhaps. But yeah, when was the first time you started like using it yourself and like like her, hear about this therapy or this way of yeah so thinking. i it, it it was in my um in my brain somewhere but it was not anywhere near the forefront until i began to see a therapist myself and because mm. it is one of the um, most standard form forms of therapy out there um it's a good chance if you go to your just a random psychologist in sydney they're going to practice CBT. You might get, you might get like, I don't know, it's not lucky or unlucky, but you might, you know, be a um, an outlier and find someone who's not on your first try. But generally, that's the the standard that people work off. Um, and so right. once I started chatting to some therapists, then they told me more about it. I started doing my own research. And I did find some of the things immediately very helpful, just straight away. And that is one of the great things about CBT is it has instant impacts. Um, it it, mm. it begins to slow down as you go forth. But from the start, if you've never heard of it or you don't practice anything to do with CBT, it can instantly help your situation. Um, and so that that is why it's definitely very useful. It's really good for immediate right. help. Then how about we, we go into DBT a bit? Like... Did you want to talk about what DBT is and then talk about the contrast or yep. just get straight into... Yeah, Sure. So DBT is yeah. dialectical behavior therapy. Um, mm -hmm. DBT has is a branch off CBT. Um, so when I said earlier on that CBT is sometimes criticized for not being emotional enough, not being empathetic enough, DBT is like the response to that. So DBT is much more of an empathetic spiritual um, response to mental illness and it includes a lot more of um, mindfulness. It includes a lot more... Uh, mindfulness is basically a way of grounding yourself and um, clearing your mind using your sensory inputs so your what you can see what you can hear what you can taste what you can feel what you can smell 
um, using these yeah. things to ground yourself in reality and those things help break the ruminative cycles because it gets you out of your head into the world. Um, it's often called meditation, which isn't strictly speaking true, but it, it's it's a Western adaption of that idea of um, sort of grounding yourself and finding peace. And for some people, it's very effective. Um, CBT looks at mindfulness, but it doesn't give it much time. Um, DBT, it's actually one of the foundational um, modules of DBT. There's plenty of other things in DBT that cross over with CBT as well. Lots of challenging of behaviors as well. Um, But in general, basically, DBT practice is more of an empathetic view on CBT. I haven't experienced DBT myself, so I can't go into as much depth. But I have heard plenty of psychologists say that DBT is seen as a really good um, or a more effective way of dealing with people who are suicidal or they have quite Mm. extreme anxiety disorders, like plenty of panic attacks all the time. It's seen as a way of um, calming people down a lot. And Mm. um, when I, on the self-care project, I spoke to Josh Pack about this. We've actually got an episode called CBT and DBT. Shout out to you, Joshy. If you want to hear someone who- Joshy's a mate of mine as well. Yeah, great guy. If you want to hear someone who has had much more experience with DBT talk about it, he talks about it excellently so go go check that episode episode out for sure um and i can't remember what i was going with that but um so you, you're just you were about were you saying like you can't really give like personal examples yeah of yeah so i i, I have an experience yeah that's where i was going thank you yeah. i have an experience it myself however after hearing josh talk about it i was just like wow i want to do this like it sounded right up yeah. my alley so there's some really cool yeah. stuff especially if you're into some more like yeah empathetic like um mindfulness sort of stuff then dbt is definitely something that you should look at but in general it's it's more to do with it excludes stuff from CBT rather than it adds stuff. It just focuses more on some stuff in CBT, which perhaps doesn't get as much attention, like more of the emotional stuff. It's not that CBT is lacking the emotional stuff. It's more that sometimes it has mm. more of an emphasis on the thoughts and the behavior. And DBT definitely takes more of a focus on the emotional sides of things. Yeah. So what what's an example of like someone practicing dbt or like someone use utilizing dbt like you said like josh talks about it really well but then like do you have any examples that even josh gave or um so for example there's the four um the four modules that i i chatted to um chatted to josh about which he told me about and those four modules um as i said one of them is mindfulness another one is interpersonal effectiveness Another one is distress tolerance. And the last one is emotional regulation. So as you can see, they're all kind of to do with emotions or relationships. So something that um, is very different to CBT, I suppose, or not different, but just much more emphasis once again, is interpersonal effectiveness. So interpersonal effectiveness really looks at your relationships and not just um, Mm. the relationships themselves, but each individual's dynamic within those relationships. So CBT does look at relationships, but really it just kind of focuses on yourself, which normally would address any issues within relationships if they are your fault um, or being caused by your mental illness. But this module basically takes a much closer look at that. And um, one of the things that Josh said when I was talking to him about this is he said, 
he realized through this module um, how how much his experience was affecting the people around him, which he had never really considered before. Mm. Um, sometimes when we're sort of in that state, when we're feeling really depressed or really anxious, but I, I think more so in depression because you feel very um, uh, disassociated. You feel very removed from everyone and everything. You, you don't even notice that these things are affecting the people around you. And so this particular module is a way of just showing you, hey, this is what your mental state is doing to other people. Not to make you feel bad, but just to show you, this is, you know... The reality yeah. of, like, your actions. Exactly. The reality of what you're doing. Exactly. Mm. Distress tolerance right. is um, one of the, the third module, which that's really important because, as I said, this is used for people who are in really serious states of mental illness, potentially suicidal. And so, increasing distress tolerance basically is exactly what it sounds like. It helps you um, tolerate stressful situations it it helps you like it's kind of hard to explain anymore but like Without, yeah, yeah it basically helps you um get through situations which before would cause a panic attack or bring suicidal thoughts it will help you be able to tolerate higher levels of stress and higher levels of um intense emotions and yeah basically right. it it stops you from getting to that cliff edge stage as quickly um, which is super important when it comes to dealing with someone who is suicidal. Mm. It sounds like like both the CBT and DBT, even if you're not struggling like at the top of like, well, like a hard side of the spectrum of like struggles of like your own mental health, even if you're someone that might be doing fine, something that you can practice to, be healthier mm. like a healthier the, yeah yeah health yeah which is what i was saying at the start is that uh, these things people think they're just for people who are mentally ill even if you're mentally healthy this stuff that's here we all have our weak points you know and th these things can help you identify the things that you're not as good at when it comes to relationships or when it comes to viewing the world around you and it just can really help you enhance yourself and thus enhance your life mm. so it's yeah I, I i think everyone should go to therapy basically like it's brilliant <laughs> no I, i'm I, like yeah. um my last session with my my psychologist she said to me like yeah do you feel like you still need to come to psychology? <laughs> she said that to me. Mm. And wow. and I'm like, um, like I guess I could could probably not, but I love it. And, and until I get to the point mm. where I feel like there's still like until I get to the point where I feel like there's no more stuff that I can gain, there's no more room for improvement, and that you, me talking to her, you can't help me with any of that, then it's worth the money, basically. And she was just like, Good, because yeah. I like you. You're a good client. I like the money. No, no, no. <laughs> no, she, no, no. She's like, we, we've got a good relationship. So we, we bounce off each other a lot and have some really good conversations. So yeah, I, I love it. Um, I look forward to mm. therapy. So it's 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 great. Um, Do you still go often or has it reduced a lot? It's reduced so a lot. Like once yeah. a month or something. So when I first started going, I was going every week. Then it went down to yeah. um, fortnightly. Uh, then it went down to monthly. Now I'm going two months without... Um, sessions and wow. they're more like check-ins you know um and just yeah. saying has anything bad happened within the last period or has anything come up and basically because i'm constantly introspecting and reflecting on my life and my experience with mental illness i'm constantly finding new things that 
I want to explore or I don't fully have a grasp on and talking, even if it's just the process of talking to someone about that, that can help me figure yeah. things out, not necessarily her mm. figuring it out all the time. And like, mm. um, it's, it's also good to have someone there who knows where you are, like, how can I put mm. this? Who who has seen the really negative stuff and has the professional ability to be able to see how bad you are at times. And so in that sense, mm. like seeing her pride in my growth is really rewarding as well. Like seeing her like smiling when I'm saying yeah. certain things because she knows that I've improved there and she knows that I've grown there. And then it just gives me a little boost of just like, hey, yeah, you know, I'm a lot better than I was. Um, and that's really re- yeah. rewarding. That's sick. It's like, yeah, it's like it would be good to have someone that, like, I guess in like even in friendships, you have people that I sound, I feel like you, you, everyone needs to vent, everyone needs to get their thoughts out, everyone needs to kind of talk about their issues and problems. But if you see a therapist, then you can really just go all out Mm. because you know that this person is a professional and she's gonna you know keep your like not share information that you are openly talking about Mm. with her absolutely them with them and just like not that for me for me i'm i guess i'm a little bit more unique in that confidentiality isn't a big thing for me because like i talk about this stuff in a podcast like I've gotten to the place where I realize it's really important for me to keep the stuff out in the open. It's one of the most healthy things I can do. Um, mm. And it also empowers to me. To the point where we're talking about it on the podcast. Yeah. We talk about, like, we have our deep tan series because we're like, let's just talk deep. Like, let's just share our thoughts and what we struggled with, what, mm. what we've overcome, what we, you know, see, see ahead kind of thing. It's like, yeah, it's like super, super yeah. open. I the, so so I I find it empowering because um it's when when you're so the when you see other people and you you see them struggling with their mental health you you never sort of look down on them well your average person doesn't look down on them you don't think oh they're weak like you think wow they're they're strong mm. to be going through something like this but when it's yourself you often carry a lot of shame about that and you often look down on yourself and you think why are you experiencing this? Why are you feeling this way? When I speak about this and put it out in the open, I if I, it takes away some of that shame when I when I put it out there, it makes me once I say it out loud and I and I say it to people and I see their reactions and I don't see them judging me the way mm. that I have the propensity to. It gives me a little bit of reassurance and it just it just empowers me to make me feel like, hey, it's okay that I've got this in my life. It doesn't rule over me and I can't exist without it. I'm not defined by yeah. my mental illness. And that's just a beautiful experience for me. And also just the fact that me just talking about my feelings can help other people. Like it's the easiest thing to do and it can help others, um, whether that's encouraging them to do the same or it's making them feel like, hey, I'm not the only one feeling this way then that's just like, that's the best. So that's, yeah, it, it serves me and it serves others. And it's just, um, yeah, it, it's, I don't know. Yeah, like it's a win-win. I, I, I made a conscious decision when I started the self-care project that if I was going to be an advocate for mental health, I couldn't keep it all to myself. Like that'd be the most hypocritical thing to do. Um, encouraging yeah, people to open up don't. on a podcast while not mm. telling my own story. And so- yeah, I was kind of like, that was my conscious decision to say, you know what? No, enough's enough. I'm not going to keep carrying this like it's some disease that I can't talk about. 
Like I'm going to be open about this and I'm going to share my story. And if people diss me because of it, which hasn't happened yet, but if people do, like that's their problem and I can right. I can deal with that. Right. Okay. Is there, is there more? Which kind of leads into DBT? exposure therapy. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's huh? move on. Yeah, yeah. Um, as I said, like yeah. I, when it comes to DBT, I know the basics. I'm not an expert. I haven't experienced it, so I can't really talk in depth about it. I'm also not a trained psychologist, which is also why I can't talk in depth about it. Um, I, I would recommend if you are interested, listening to to the CBT and DBT episode that I did with Josh Pack. It was um, maybe we'll chuck the link in the description, David, but I yeah, found that insightful. hugely in- educational and, and a hugely yeah. enjoying interview as well. It was one of my favorite interviews that I've done. Um, yeah. so definitely check Shout that out one out. Shout out to self-care projects, helping people and helping, helping humans be humans. Mm-hmm. That's the way. <laughs> <laughs> but the next question, Jack, we, I guess it leads to this, but like, yes. What's exposure therapy? Is something that like like is is this all along the lines of CBT and DBT and or is this something completely different? What's exposure therapy? Yeah, so exposure therapy once again falls under the branch of CBT, um, and it's it's basically a way of um, challenging fears. So fears are really really interesting. Um, the the crazy thing about fears is that they are all formed through experience. So basically what psychologists know is that when we are born, um, generally we're born with two fears. The first one is a fear of mm. loud noises. Um, the second one is a fear of heights um, or a fear of falling, for example. They're kind of the same thing. Um, when when you are afraid of heights, you go to, or even people who aren't, you go towards the edge of something, and you you almost feel like you are falling, or like you're being sucked towards the edge. Like that's that that fear that's in us from the mm. start. Um, every other fear in general, as you grow, they're developed through experience. So whether that is seeing someone else scared of something, and then you learn, so I should be scared of that. Whether it is having a negative experience with something. So for example, um, as a kid, you're bitten by a dog. And from then on, you associate dogs with biting mm, and pain and that trauma, dogs, yeah. traumatic experience creates a, a fear of dogs. Um, whether it is right. uh, falling off your bike and you're afraid of riding bikes, like you're afraid of discipline or something like that because you were like overly punished when you were a kid, something like that. Basically, all these different fears, yeah. um, they're formed through experience, which is really interesting. And the most important, that's really important. And the reason why it is so important is because the only way to unlearn a fear is through experience. And so Mm. that's where exposure therapy comes in. Exposure therapy is for anxiety. It's for a situation where someone has a phobia about or it feels incredibly anxious about. And what we basically do is we put that person in exactly the environment that creates that fear. And the idea of this is not torture, even though it sounds like it. Um, The idea of this Mm. is to get them through that situation and to show them it's not as bad as you thought it was. So how this normally works is um, there's this scale that's used with exposure therapy that you'll see a lot if you you know about exposure therapy. And basically it's a, a graph where... On the y-axis, the up axis, you've got anxiety. And on the bottom axis, you've got time. Um, Basically, 
the first time you put someone through exposure therapy, it shoots up straight away with anxiety and it very slowly curves down um, to over time while they're staying in that exposed area. Um, the worst possible thing you can do in exposure therapy is as soon as they get anxious is to move them out of that thing and move them out of that environment because right. then they don't learn that it's actually okay. Um but if you continue to expose that person, over time, as I said, the anxiety will begin to go down um, until they reach a point where they're kind of calm, but they're still not comfortable. So you take them out and that is one round of exposure therapy. Then exposure, expo- exposure mm. therapy isn't just one time. You repeat this process and each time it shoots up straight away, but it doesn't shoot quite as high and it comes down a little bit faster and so on. Next time, shoots up, not quite as high, comes down a little bit faster. So, it kind of looks like waves if you imagine that. It's like this for those who can see. Um, I can see yeah, I yeah. can see I don't, it. But Amelia and I can see it, right. but you guys can't <laughs> see it. You basically made a wave with his hand. Um, yep. And so, yeah. <laughs> You're going to say these each, things, each time, um, <laughs> Each time it gets, the anxiety spike gets um, smaller and it goes away faster. And the idea is eventually mm. you'll get to this point where the spike is very marginal. It just is kind of like nerves and it quickly goes away as you quickly become comfortable where you are. So the reason why this works is because when when you put someone in that anxiety prone environment, there is a fear attached to it, the fear that something is going to go wrong. So I'll give you an example and some people might find this funny, but it's actually quite a common um, fear for people with something called agoraphobia, which is like extreme anxiety and not just anxiety, but anxiety of anxiety. It's you're, you're anxious that you're going mm. to be anxious somewhere. And so people with agoraphobia, quite severe agoraphobia, basically stay in their houses and they never leave because every situation, there's something that could go wrong and they're terrified of things going yeah. wrong and they don't believe that they can cope with anything. Wow. So... So associated with agoraphobia is a common one, which is they are um, terrified that they're going to lose control of their bowels in public. Um, and I don't know why, but this seems to be quite a common thing with agoraphobia. People are scared that mm. they're going to wet themselves or soil themselves out in public. Um, and the best way to show that this isn't going to happen is to force people into public and wow. just make them stay there for a while until they realize it's not going to happen and then you take them home. But it doesn't go away straight away. It stays, that fear stays and you need to continue this practice. And what's interesting, if you stop the practice, the fear will come back. You need to continue it. So I'll give you an example. I was speaking to a guy who was an Hmm. expert on fear. Um, He was doing a lecture at a camp that I was at uh, about one and a half years ago. And... um, he had a patient where she was afraid of afraid of embarrassing herself in public. And so he did something really cool. And this when he told the story, it just made my heart warm. It was so lovely. So he basically showed her that um, so I'll just backtrack for a second. The other thing about exposure therapy is it's not just showing you, look, it doesn't go wrong. It's actually showing you even if it does go wrong, it's not the end of the world, okay? So, what he was showing her this time is he basically had a a pocket full of coins and he went into the middle of a crowded shopping center and he dropped all the coins. 
right in the middle of the shops. And so, he's running around trying to pick them all up. It's clearly a really embarrassing situation. None of us really want to be in there. But he did that in front of this, this patient that he had to show her people actually came and helped him. And sure, a couple people snickered, mm. but who cares? It, it, it wasn't the end of the world. This thing that she was terrified of happening to her yeah. happened. She saw it happen to someone else. And yes, it was embarrassing, but it was it, it could be tolerated. And this is going back to DBT and CBT when we're talking about being able to tolerate negative emotions, tolerate stressful environments. Exposure therapy is a great way mm. to build up that stress tolerance, that anxiety tolerance in negative situations and situations which cause these panic attacks for some people. Because yes, this 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 patient might have seen that, uh, might have done that herself, and just had a panic attack just there in the middle of the shopping center. Like th- this is the level of fear mm. that they would have over that situation, or they wow. would just run off and leave all their coins just there because it was too confronting, it was too stressful. And so he basically showed her. So this is exposure therapy in a demonstrative sense where he showed her what would happen if that bad thing actually did happen. And so it's not just showing you Mm. the thing that you're terrified of is really unlikely from actually happening. It's showing them even if it does happen, it's not the end of the world. Now, obviously, with some fears like fear of heights, it could be the end of your life if it does come true. So that mm-hmm. demonstrative thing mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily work, but it's still you can still show the chance of this happening is way less than you think it is. And the only way to truly learn that as an individual is to yeah. experience it yourself. Well, people people going through or like going forward with exposure therapy, it sounds like you go you mm. go head on with your phobia or with your fear, but not like the image that I had was like if someone is scared of water you you kind of like guide them to jump in the deep end but it wouldn't be that way right like I don't think like no would it be the same approach all the time would you go to Mm. like zero to zero to a hundred or is it yeah you're absolutely right yeah yeah. so obviously the harm um the, the danger of going straight in the deep end with some situations is that um it will just cause them to have a full panic attack and it won't be yeah. a... Um, it will intensify their trauma. Yeah, yeah. Basically, like, it, it will be too traumatic an experience yeah. for them to learn anything from it. And by the time they've had that panic attack, it's too late for them to realize that everything's okay because they, they think they're dying in that state. So, it's it's too late. It's too late once it gets to that stage. So, if they are afraid of water, David... Um, and I can give you a side-by-side analogy with something else that um, Amelia actually told me about a patient that I don't think she works with directly, but was work, um, her the ward that she was working with was working with someone um, who had this agoraphobia. Sorry, that was a terrible mm. way of stating what I was trying to say. But so, David, for you, this person would put their toes in, all right? And for that, for them, putting their toes in the water would be a terrifying experience, but they would stay there. Right. They would stay there until the fear gets to a manageable level and then they go down to their ankles and they would stay there mm. until the fear became manageable and they would just slowly put themselves in until it got to the point where it's like, okay, I can't go any further today. And then um, they would they would leave basically and then come back another day. And actually this is reminding me of um, another situation with Amelia at her swim school where a student was terrified of the water and she basically did this thing where she slowly got them, she had them on the step and slowly she brought them into the water over a a long period of time. Like it was, how many lessons was it? Mm. 
about 20 lessons, she reckons. And eventually, Amelia managed to get her in the water swimming. Um, and that's exposure therapy, wow. basically. Um, the, the other example that I was thinking of was someone who had extreme agoraphobia and couldn't even leave their house. And so this person, over like six months, they managed to get her to the gate at the front of her house. And that wow. sounds like exhausting. It sounds exhausting. It sounds intense. It sounds like what what is the point of that level of progress? But you have to look at this person and see how huge that was. This person hadn't been outside mm. in so long. And this was wow. a big achievement for them. And so it's all relative to where someone is. And so with someone who has an extreme fear of water, we're not trying to get them to become an Olympic swimmer. We're just trying to show them you're not going to die just yeah. with the very touch of it. Yeah. And then you work from there. You you gradually increase, increase, increase. And once again, with exposure therapy, of course, it works best when you've got someone with you. But the idea would be that you would be able to get to the point where you can continue pushing those boundaries yourself. And when those feelings mm. of in incredible fear comes up, you don't just believe, oh, I'm going to die, which is kind of what people with extreme phobias believe when they start to have those feelings of anxiety. Mm, interesting. Was there, was there anything that you had to personally like tackle with exposure ther therapy or is it something that you just kind of know? I mean, it, it's- You got into CBT, DBT. Yeah, yeah. So, so we all do. The, the exposure therapy is, it's, it's like a scale really. We, we all do, basically whenever we put ourselves out of our comfort zone and we do something we're not fully comfortable with, we're doing exposure therapy. So we all do it. Oh, right. And so if I was to think of an example of myself doing it, um, I guess it would be like, I guess it would be um, telling someone something personal that I didn't know how they would react to. Um, so for example, right. I'll, I'll give you a, a memory. Um, it would be confronting Amelia about the fact that, um, she wasn't allowing me to, to feel how difficult my mental health was for her. And so for me, the exposure was actually confronting myself by bringing this up. And I was terrified of this being a thing. Mm. And so I exposed myself to the situation by bringing up this subject and saying, I know how difficult this is for you, but you're not, you're, you're pretending that it's not, and it's not helping either of us. And that was really difficult for both of us. And that ended up with a very anxious night. I actually had a panic attack later that night. This was a long time ago. Um, and wow. the interesting what thing was is that my my fear, uh, my my panic reaction was not like that um, graph that I showed you before. It was not a wave. Mine was, um, it started like that, extreme anxiety. Mm. And then actually by the end of the night, it wasn't exactly a completely resolved situation, but I thought it had passed to the point where we just needed a little bit of breathing space to process what had happened and then we could move on. But as I said, later that night, suddenly mm. this intense fear came in. And for me, this was one of the insecurities that I referred to earlier on in the podcast. My, my insecurity in that situation was that I would be abandoned. And that was an insecurity that I had and still do have. Right. And that kicked in all of a sudden where all of a sudden, even though the situation had pretty much been resolved, I started to think she's going to leave me. She's going to leave me. I'm making this too mm. difficult for her. She admitted that it was so hard and now like she's, she's going to leave me. And I was having a panic attack and I was just, just weeping for hours and I'm not a crier really. And so it was like, I cried yeah. my, the last 10 years worth of tears in one sitting. It was just insane. <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah. and it, it happened wow. 
it happened much later after the event, which was really interesting. I, I can't really explain to you why that happened now. It's something that maybe I should look into because it is quite intriguing. But um, I suppose that's something that people can hear that might help with this kind of exposure therapy is even though that's the general line is that it's that wave quickly up spike anxiety and slowly going down into comfort again. Sometimes it doesn't exactly follow that pattern um, or it might have a little aftershock like mine did. Wow. This was sharing that, man. It's quite um, quite vulnerable or like quite open to just share an example. Didn't know. Well, I think we have talked about it um, maybe offline, but yeah, it's cool that it's even on the pod. That's all um, good. Yeah, I think we could slowly start wrapping up because we have been talking for almost an hour now, but mm. I guess like in light of everything that we shared or you shared today, because <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry, just sorry, no, questions. no, no, I wasn't laughing at you. Amelia was just grabbing a toffee. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Try to be really sneaky. But um, Sorry, continue. How, like, w- what's some word of advice for someone who might be listening to this? And it's like, man, maybe this will be very helpful for me or... I feel like I need this or, um, you know, I don't know where to go to get this. Like, yeah. how do you, like, what would you say? And like, um, like, how do you find the right therapist or the right method or like, yeah, any, yeah. any like. So the first thing, the first thing I would say is that if there was someone listening who was feeling like um, they felt they needed therapy is there's a good chance that what you're feeling right now is a mass confliction. It's a good chance what you're feeling is, I think I need therapy, but I'm terrified that I'm mm. I'm weak and that I can't do this by myself and that means right. that I'm weak. Mm. I was exactly the same. In fact, it's only because of Amelia really that I ended up being able to go because I was just terrified of reaching out for help and part of Mm. once again going back to exposure therapy part of breaking through these fears for me was going to therapy just by itself was a massive like massive fear for me um Mm. going to the gp and getting this form that i had to fill out which i was i was answering like you know like these uh never sometimes always you know those ones yeah 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 yeah, about and the question would be like how often this week have you felt hopeless and i would have to answer that Mm. and it was just Mm. it was just a devastating experience and it just it made me really like feel wow i'm so messed up right now that's what it felt like Mm. the process Mm. of going through this is never easy and all i can say is you have to break through that threshold. You have to break through that barrier of mm. fear because deep inside you know that this is what you need to improve. The mm. second mm. thing I'll say is you don't have to go out and shop for this stuff. Go online. The website you need to go to is um, www.psychology.org.au. Um, it's the APS website, which is the Australian Psychology Society. Once you get on their homepage, you scroll down and you'll see a thing that says find a psychologist. You can literally search the sort of things you're struggling with and your location, how far away from your location. And you can find all these different psychologists who are registered with APS, which 
pretty much every clinical psychologist in Australia is registered. I think they have to be registered with APS to be a practicing psychologist in Australia. Um, right. You can find what sort of stuff they specialize in. You can even find some information in terms of what their availability is in terms of like the days that they practice. You can find where they are. You can even read a little blurb about them. You can pick whether you want a male mm. psychologist or a female psychologist. Um, there are so many different so much information on there where what I did basically the first time I went on this website was I just held command and I just clicked on all the ones that looked mm. interesting to me. And so after spending like, I don't know, 40 minutes scrolling through the 20 pages or so <laughs> that there were, um, I had about yeah. wow. I had about Start many. 20 to 30 psychologists in my shortlist. Then I went through each one, read their bios and stuff and sort of cut a lot of them out until I reached sort of the 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 five or so that I was interested in. The a- APS mm. is actually where I've met my current psychologist who is amazing. Okay. So my the the mm. previous psychologist that I went to speak to um wasn't a good match for me. That's something else that you need to know when you're looking for psychologists is that it's tough because generally first time you won't meet the perfect psychologist for you. You need to find someone who you gel with, not just to do with your individual struggles, but to do with your personality type. Yeah. And they will have their own personality. Yeah. They'll have their own way of therapy. And the other thing is you mm. need a, th- a therapist who is going to give you th- the right kind of therapy for you. Because some people just work much better with different frameworks. Um, even though CBT is the most common, it doesn't work for everyone. And so that's really important to keep in mind is that not everyone is going to be that successful with CBT. However, I would not write it off as it is basically the entry point for most people, I feel. So, um, yeah, check out that website. Have a look at the psychologist near you. Read their bios. Send them some emails. Ask them about their rates. Ask them about this, that, and the other. If you do, like, want the Medicare rebate, which is basically... This year, you can now get 20 sessions and you can get a hundred and I believe it's $128 off each session. That's the rebate. Um, so, yeah. my psychologist costs more than that. So, I pay a bit of money. Well, actually, I pay the full price and then I get reimbursed the 128 bucks or whatever it is. And um, I get that for 20 sessions this year. And because I'm going like once every couple months now, I'm not even going to use them all up. Last year, I did use all of them up. I, I had 10. They only had 10 last year, but because of COVID, they increased it to 20, which is a great initiative. But last year, I finished my 10, mm. but I still needed more. And so, I just kept going. And the reality is mm. that um, not everyone is fortunate enough to be in a financial situation where you can do that. This year, you got 20, which means you can go roughly twice a month. Um, and... Or you can potentially go every week for 20 weeks, which is a significant amount of time to be going in therapy. Or you can start every week, cut it down slowly. Um, but I cannot recommend therapy enough. Having someone there just to mm. listen, um, someone who you can just talk to, get these things out in the open. Sometimes it's not until you say something out loud when you realize that it's actually not yeah. how you feel. Or you can notice, oh, that's actually pretty ridiculous. I can't believe I thought that. Um, it doesn't make it irrelevant. It doesn't make it invalid. It just means that you're now beginning to appreciate that some thoughts you're having are more um, rational than others. Thanks for that, Jack. I think we can wrap up, man. Like, I think 
this whole episode's been super insightful and um, helpful for a lot of listeners who might be struggling with their mental health or have been thinking about um, therapy or have experience with CBT, DBT or exposure therapy. Like it would be, mm. it would have been an awesome like episode for them to just listen to your own experience or like what you what you know about it. So I hope so. Thanks for thanks for it, man. I hope no it helps. Like I hope today's episode really does um, help people that need it. Yeah, so. I hope so too. And if you guys yeah. are um, sort of want to hear more about this stuff, then feel free to shoot me a message and I can send you some resources that have definitely helped educate me. Um, or if you got any questions for me about my personal experience or you just need someone to chat to or maybe you want to have an intermediary between you, between, um, you and a psychologist, I'm more than happy to to have a chat so reach out to me at the the best place to find me is on instagram at the self-care project au shoot me a message and um we can have a chat so yeah sweet all right peace no i'm joking <laughs> <laughs> yeah but thank you thank you guys for joining us for another episode of deep tan um i hope you guys enjoyed this episode um, as much as I liked asking these questions and just listening to what Jack had to say, he, no, he I appreciate you. Talked, um, I appreciate yeah. you just like just asking me these kind of questions and knowing that because they're right up my alley, I'm just going to talk for hours. So um, <laughs> you talk for an hour, basically. Yeah, you're editing this, and you're gonna you're gonna see that yeah. I spoke for a total of two yeah. two minutes or something. <laughs> That's the thing, <laughs> Out of the whenever one I hour. look at the the yeah. editing, like you see the waveforms, and you see like when when yeah. each person was talking, and in some episodes, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just me for like three quarters yeah, of it. It's just you, and it's me me <laughs> going, specs. yeah, 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 just yeah, little right. single lines. Like, <laughs> yep, yep, yes, yeah. Yeah. But thanks, bro. No, you've um I've enjoyed this and you asked some really good questions actually. You definitely kept me on my toes and I even had to Google a few things during this. Um mostly I was thanks, mostly I was able to do it off the top, yeah, which I, I was hoping Googling. I'd be able to do because it was a good test for me as well. But there were a few things that I just needed to clarify, so that's always good that I'm ex- um ex- like increasing my knowledge about this stuff because there's so much to learn and I just love learning about um psychology, about the way the brain works, about human behavior yeah. it's all fascinating it's right up your alley sure is yeah also sorry guys for saying in the if you made it to the end of the last week's episode and we're like we'll have a fantabulous guest yeah. and all that <laughs> like we apologize again um just things just didn't work out with our next guest but i really 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 am hopeful that next week <laughs> we'll have a spectacular guest on yeah no i'm that sure i'm sure we'll yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure he'll be free. I'm sure, I'm sure. But um, it was, yeah. it, I really enjoyed this episode anyway. So it was a good idea from you, Me David. Too. Thank you for coming up with that one. Um, yeah. And it's no good worries. to be back on the deep tan because these aren't going to happen mm-hmm. too, as often anymore because we've mostly talked about all the deep tan stuff that we want to talk about. But when ideas come up, um, I always love a deep tan pizza. Yeah, me too. I miss the deep tan pizza, man. I almost forgot the yeah. taste of it, you know. Guys, please yeah. shoot us suggestions. If you listen to this episode and you really liked it or enjoyed it, just you're like, oh, why don't you talk about this? And just shoot us an email or like message us on our Instagram, whatever works Absolutely. for you. Absolutely, love to Absolutely. talk about. It. 
All right, David. Well, let's wrap this one up. Um, thanks for having a chat with me today. I've really enjoyed this one. Um, I hope you're well as well. Yeah, we haven't really talked much about you this this week, but um, I hope you're doing well. Yeah, I, we did at the start. Yeah, I'm doing, I'm yeah, doing quite yeah, well. Yeah, we man. did a gratitude candle. Well. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. bro. Well, you take it easy. And you listeners out there, you take it easy as well. You know, we're... St- Still, easy, still right? in a pretty interesting political climate. So um, go easy on yourselves out there. If you're feeling a bit stressed, a bit anxious, totally reasonable. A lot of us are feeling the same yeah. way. So go easy on yourself um, and just yeah, just enjoy life. You know, just just enjoy life, man. Just like just like, like just like surf through like the being of existence. You know, just like be one with the cosmos, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, until next week, uh, I'm looking forward to almost certainly having a guest on next week, David. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> until then, peace. Peace. Don't. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Come, 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 come in. Peace. <laughs> Is that how we say it? That's how we say it. <laughs>